Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing all right today? Nice. It's good to see you in church. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thanks for taking time, being intentional about being in the house of God this morning. We're so, so grateful that you're here. I also want to take just a moment and welcome all of our guests to church today. Something that we do every single service. We're grateful that you're here today. If this is your first time at the bridge, thank you for being here today. If you are new or newer, we would love to meet you, to connect with you, help you find your place here at the bridge. Church is not just a place we go, it's who we are. And we would love to help you find your spot and your place here at the church. Stop by the info center before you go today. It's to your right. As soon as you walk out this first set of exit doors, our team is there to help you, to answer your questions, to tell you more about the church, things that are coming up. We would love to connect with you and help you get plugged in and connected. Thank you so much. We also have Connecting Point happening today during the 1130 service. So if you are newer and you don't have any plans later on and you'd like to find out more about getting plugged in here at the bridge, we invite you to come to Connecting Point. It's happening in the music and arts room straight through that set of double doors, the last room on your left over there during the 1130 service. We would love to meet you and help you find your place. Thank you for being here today. If you're a regular part of the bridge, why don't we put our hands together this morning and let's welcome all of our guests today. Awesome. I get to share with you this morning, Pastor Gary and Pastor Ann are in Austin, Texas, preaching at Victory City Church this morning, which is our sister church. And um, we're really excited they get to be there and have that opportunity. So keep them in your prayers for traveling mercies and all that good stuff and that they have a good time and that they're refreshed. Um, this morning, though, we're going to conclude our series House Rules. This is a series that we've been in over the last few weeks. Pastor Gary's done four of these, and this is my second one that I've done. And I'm really excited to get to share with you today because I think we're going to take some big things and make them very practical today, or at least that's my hope, okay? So if you got your Bible, meet me in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at a couple of different writings of the Apostle Paul, and we're going to look at the words of Jesus today. But when it comes to house rules, I want to just say this one more time because it's important that everybody knows this. We've been talking in this series about the six things that we value most here at the bridge. And I think it's important to say this because you could come and say, well, why do I need to know those things? It's as if they're telling us what's important to them just so that we can know about it and hear about it. But God places individual people into specific parts of the body of Christ. So if he has called you or placed you here at the Bridge Church, then we have a specific vision and mission for how we partner with other churches in the body of Christ to fulfill God's great commission to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, baptize, make disciples. So we have a local and specific mission that if you are planted here, you need to know what that is so that together we can be the bridge. Not just go to church, but be the church, be the bridge. That's what we're going to talk about today. Today is the final installment in this series, okay? Now, some of you are going to hear what we're going to talk about today and you're going to say, that doesn't sound very spiritual, but I think you're going to be surprised at what the Bible has to say about this, okay? So last value, last house rule that we're going to talk about today is simply this. We value each other, so we work together as one team. If you wanted to summarize this and make it a one-word topic, we're going to talk about teamwork today. And again, many of you will say, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Maybe I should have slept in. The football games are starting right about now. I don't have a watch on, but right about now. Um, that doesn't sound all that spiritual. Trust me. You're going to find out just how spiritual this is and how much it matters to the heart of God. But Here's what I want to start with today, okay? When I was in Bible college uh, about 11 years ago, I was in Australia, and I had a teacher in my class, who, or in one of my classes, who sat down a smaller group of us one day, and he asked this question. He said, how many of you feel called to ministry? Let me see a show of hands. I'm not asking you. They, they asked us this. How many of you feel called to ministry? Well, this is Bible college, right? So the vast majority of us raised, their hand, raised our hand. And then he asked this question. He said, now, if you were to ask that question in a church service, how many of you feel called to ministry? He said, I think what you would see is that a small percentage of the people would raise their hand. 
Because what we tend to think is that ministry is limited to the pastor, to the worship leader, to the prophet, to the apostle, to the evangelist. And we're going to talk about those fivefold ministries here in just a minute. But what we tend to think is that ministry is something that happens on platforms. And if we were to ask that question this morning, I would guess that there would be a small percentage of people that would raise their hand and say, I feel called to ministry because maybe you feel called to one of those fivefold offices, pastor, teacher, apostle, prophet, evangelist. Maybe so. Maybe a worship pastor or something that's in your heart. I don't know. Maybe you feel called to that. But maybe you would say, I don't feel called to preach. I don't feel called to stand on a platform. God knows I can't sing. Like you might say that and say, I don't feel called to ministry. I feel disqualified because it doesn't fit into one of those categories. And so he asked us that question and he said, that is where much of the church has been deceived. He said, because ministry, if you look at it in the New Testament writings, what we see with the word ministry is it comes from, and one of the most commonly used Hebrew words is this word, diakonia, and it literally means to serve. So you might be here this morning and say, well, I don't think I'm called to preach. I don't see myself as an evangelist or a prophet or a worship leader or something that would have a pastoral title on it, so therefore I don't feel called to ministry. But I would ask you this question, can you serve? The answer to that question for all of us is yes. Guess what? If you can serve, you can minister. Because in the New Testament, the word minister simply means to serve. To serve is to minister. To minister is to serve. So with all of that said, let me ask you another question. Who is called to ministry? Answer, all of us. You have a ministry. God has gifted you. He has given you talents and abilities that make you uniquely you. And God did not create you so that somebody else could do what you were called to do. He created you so that you could do what you were called to do and the body of Christ could function at, it, at its highest capacity. Does that make sense to everybody? Now, I want to explain. Wait, I need everybody to say, yeah, I need you to hear where we're coming from this morning. All right. Now, I'm going to explain this a little bit further. I told you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And now that we understand that, we can go forward and understand what God is calling us to do as the body of Christ. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. And you know what, before I read this, I should probably also just preface by saying this. At Connecting Point, when, if you're new to the church, when you come to Connecting Point to find your place, get connected in the church, we always talk about how we see teamwork as a value of this house. As a church, we have a pretty lean staff, a pretty slim staff. We have seven full-time pastors that oversee various areas of ministry and only one other full-time employee. So we have eight full-time employees, seven of them are pastors, and we have a few other part-time or contract employees here at the church. We have a relatively lean staff as we have grown over the years. And that's very intentional. It allows us to be a good steward of the resource that God brings into the church, number one. But number two, it creates all kinds of opportunity for the saints, all of us, to do the ministry. Because God has called all of us to ministry. So it's important that you understand that and why it is that we value teamwork here at the bridge. But look again, Ephesians chapter 4. I want to start reading in verse 7. The Apostle Paul writes this, and he says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, that sentence right there and that statement could be broken down a lot of ways. We're not going to get into spiritual gifts today because that would kind of take us down a whole other path. But let me say this. Everybody is gifted by God with spiritual gifts to accomplish the mission of the church or the body of Christ. We're not going to get into all of those today, but here's what I, why I wanted to say this. Because we are not the owners of the gifts that God gives God is the one who has all the gifts. We are stewards of the gifts that he gives us in this life. We are to steward them for the edification of the body and to reach the world around us. I'm not gifted. You're not gifted. Jesus has all the gifts. He entrusts them to us to be stewards in this life on this earth to take the message to the world around us. Does that make sense to everyone? 
So let's read on, okay? Look down at verse 11 now. It says in verse 11, And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers. That's five different words. Those oftentimes get referred to as the five-fold ministry gifts or five-fold ministry offices or ministry callings. Some people would call them four because they would take pastor and teacher and put them together. But it's five different Greek words, okay? So we'll just, for the sake of this message, call those the five-fold offices, the five-fold ministry gifts, okay? Now, with that said, I want to make it very, very clear, like I said a moment ago, that ministry is not limited to people who stand on platforms, Ministry does not require a microphone. Ministry does not require a good speaking voice or singing voice. Matter of fact, you don't have to know how to play a musical instrument to minister to other people. All you have to know how to do or be willing to do is serve. Because to minister is to serve. To serve is to minister. If you can serve somebody, you can minister to them. That's what we see. And a couple other things that need to be said here very, very quickly. When we think of ministry as being limited to pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists, what it does is that minimizes the value of those who might not be called to do those things. And I remember having conversations with people who grew up in church, and they, man, they were there every single weekend, and their parents had them in every single service and stuff throughout the week, and they never missed a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or however much was going on in their church. And over the years, the idea of being a pastor, teacher, apostle, prophet, evangelist was like, that was the highest call of God. Can I just tell you something this morning? None of those things are the highest call of God. What I'm doing right now is not the highest call of God, at least not for you. It's the highest call of God for me, but the highest call of God is for you to do whatever God has called you to do and not anything else. Because you might say, you know what, it'd be awesome to be a pastor, a teacher, apostle, a prophet, evangelist, but guess what? If you're not called to do it, it's gonna be the most miserable experience of your life trying to be something that you were not created to be. And God wants us to find fulfillment in using and outworking the gifts that he has given us. Does that make sense to everybody? I want to say this this morning, that when we think about loving others and serving others, God does not want you to serve others to the point of being miserable and calling that happiness in Christ. He wants you to be fulfilled using the gifts that he has given you. He has given you unique gifts, talents, and abilities that he did not give to somebody else. He gave them to you so that when you use them, the body of Christ moves forward. We edify one another and... I find fulfillment in using my gift. You are gifted. You are gifted. Listen to me, back row, front row, it doesn't matter. You are gifted by God for the body of Christ to edify other people and to take the message forward. The highest call of God is not one of the fivefold ministry gifts or offices. It's whatever God has called you to do. Say amen, because that should come as a relief. The highest call of God is whatever God has called you to do. Now let's read on. In verse 11, excuse me, look at the book of verse 12, okay? In verse 12, it says that he has given pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and look at verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, that's all of us, that's you and me, all of us, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So who is it that does the ministry? The saints, all of us. Me, you, all of us. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a teacher or apostle or prophet evangelist, you're still also a saint. Together, we equip one another, we encourage one another to go out and do the ministry of the church. So it's not just those fivefold gifts that are called to ministry. No, we are to equip the saints, and together we all do the ministry. Now, 
It's important that we understand this because, again, ministry is not just for pastors, not just for teachers, not just apostles or prophets or for evangelists. And it's not just for the saints. It's for all of us. We partner together to do this. It's for everybody. The second half of verse 12, it says that we are called to minister or to serve. Why? To edify the entire body of Christ. I want to talk more about that in just a moment, but let me give you something to think about in the meantime. We're going to talk a little bit about service, serving one another, and serving in the house of God today, okay? Now, here's what I want to get you thinking about. There are a lot of Christians that don't find value in serving in the house of God because what they say is, well, it's like serving other Christians, and what's the point of that? Because I'm actually called to go and reach the non-Christian. Think about that for just a moment because a lot of people would say that. They would say, well, I don't see the value in serving in the house of God because it seems to me we're supposed to be serving people outside of the house of God. And that's true. But I want to show you a little bit more about that in just a moment. Now, let's skip down to verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up. Now, everybody look at your neighbor, give him a little elbow and say, grow up. Now, do you remember like when you were a kid and your parents thought you were being immature and like one of your parents just looked at you and said, grow up. And you were like, how do I do that exactly? Is that supposed to happen instantaneously? Do I make a decision? Do I, is there some sort of action that immediately allows me to grow up? Can I tell you one of the ways in which we grow? Through relationship with other believers where we are serving them, they are serving us, we are encouraging them, they are encouraging us. And through that common experience of serving each other, we grow up. Have you ever, somebody, I want to just like use this as an example. Have you ever been serving in the house of God and you bumped into somebody and somebody just kind of rubbed you the wrong way? And you're like, this is church. That's not supposed to happen. We're all supposed to be these holy saved people who just are nice to each other. Well, guess what? We're also human beings. And sometimes stuff happens that allows us to grow because we learn from our mistakes or somebody encourages us in our mistake or we encourage somebody else in their mistake. We grow up together. The edifying of the body of Christ. Now, growing up and maturing is something that we are called to do as believers, but it doesn't just happen through prayer, and it doesn't just happen through reading the word of God. It happens by being in relationship with other believers, and one of the ways in which we will grow together is through serving each other together. You know, scripture talks about iron sharpening iron. You know what happens when iron hits iron? Sparks fly. You know what's going to happen sometimes when you come alongside other believers and serve with them? You're going to find that they don't always rub you the right way. And guess what? God might use that to grow you and to grow them. But sometimes we look at past experiences, things that went wrong, times where we got hurt, where somebody rubbed us the wrong way or we rubbed them the wrong way, and we say, I don't see any value in that anymore. I'm just going to go with the path of least resistance. I'm going to stay away from those believers because stuff happened back in the day. And if we choose to take that attitude, we're taking a lesser path and we are cutting ourselves off from one path of growth that God wants to bring into our life. Everybody say grow up. God wants to use other people to help you grow up. And listen, as long as we are alive on planet earth and following Jesus, we are not done growing. We're not done growing. He will use others to help us grow up. I'll read it again, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Ooh, I gotta read that part one more time. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. What does it do? 
it causes growth of the body. For what? For the edifying of itself. So when we serve and love other people, we're not just edifying those around us. We are edifying, the body is edifying itself. Now, let's stop right here for a minute because we're going to look at two different passages of Scripture where the Apostle Paul talks about the body of Christ, okay? Now, the body of Christ, most of you, if you've been in church, you've been a Christian for a long time, you've read about that, you know about it, you've heard about it. But let me give you something to think about when it comes to the body of Christ because sometimes we don't take this literally enough, this idea. This wasn't just a figure or an illustration that the Apostle Paul was using when he said the body of Christ. Think about it for a minute. Jesus himself, in the flesh, walked this earth, lived a sinless, spotless life, went to the cross, was raised from the dead. Then he ascended to the right hand of the Father to ever make intercession for us. Okay, so when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father in his physical, human, fleshly body, he went away from this earth. So his flesh, his physical body is not here. But guess what? When Jesus ascended, what descended? The Holy Spirit empowering us. The church was birthed. And even though Jesus in his physical body is not here, guess who is here in the in physical body? Us. And we are the physical body, the moving, living, breathing body of Christ in this world today. And when people say, well, I can't believe in Jesus because I haven't seen him with my own eyes and I haven't heard his voice with my own ears, guess what? That doesn't mean he's not here because we are the body of Christ. Again, living, breathing, walking, talking, living body of Christ in this world, you and I, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when you hear that term body of Christ, don't just look at it as an illustration or or some sort of um, idea to help us understand what the church is. No, the church is the physical body of Christ in the world today. We're the one who take the message forward. We have to understand that about the body. But listen, the body does not operate at maximum potential unless every part does its share. The body doesn't operate at its fullest maximum capacity and potential unless every part does its share. And here's the thing. We all have a part to play. In verse 16, again, it says, when every part is doing its share, it causes the growth of the body. For what? For the edifying of itself. Now, I asked you a second ago, there are some people that will say, well, I don't see the value in serving in the house of God or serving other believers because aren't we supposed to be serving people outside of the house of God? Aren't we supposed to be giving our lives to see to it that people who don't know Jesus hear that message and accept him as their Lord and their Savior? And the answer to that question is yes. But I think oftentimes that's an excuse for us to be lazy Christians. And I hope that that doesn't hit anybody the wrong way. Don't be offended. Everybody smile at me for just a minute. Because I know there's some people that you're sitting there saying, I know where this is going. He's going to tell us that we need to be serving in the church, and I'm not serving in the church, and he just called me a lazy Christian. Hang with me for just a minute, okay? For the edifying of itself. That means that the body of Christ is not just called to take the message to the world, but to function and bring edification to itself. When I serve, I'm edifying the body. When I serve you, I'm edifying you. When you serve me, you're edifying me. And the body overall is edified because we're all in place performing our function. And some people again would say, well, I don't see the value in that because it seems to me that serving in church is serving believers, and aren't we called to serve non-believers? The answer to that question, of course, is yes, but I'm going to make a really strong statement right now. If you can't serve believers in the house of God, you probably won't be very good at serving non-believers outside of the house of God. 
because this is a training ground. This is the place where we grow together, where we edify one another, where my function adds value to your function and your function adds value to mine. Because if you're not in place, then my function isn't as valuable. But when you are in place, my function is more valuable. And when I'm in place, your function is more valuable. We add value to one another. And if you get that picture of the living, breathing, walking, talking body of Christ in the earth today and think about the idea that maybe the body is missing parts, you might start to understand why it is that there are so many people who do not follow Jesus. Now we'll come back to that in just a minute, but I think the Apostle Paul was making some really, really strong statements. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul talking about the function of the body of Christ. But listen, if you don't believe me about the value of each one of our functions, let me take you to the words of Jesus, okay? This is John chapter 15. I'm going to try to move through this part a little quicker so that we can get to the end, all right? John 15, the words of Jesus, starting at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. That's a picture that Jesus is painting of the love of Father God being displayed and portrayed in Jesus, and then Jesus taking that same love and passing it to the disciples. Guess what? We are to receive the love of the Father that was given to Jesus, poured out for us, take that love, remain in that love, and give it to others. That's what we're called to do. That's what the mission of the church is. And Jesus paints that picture there in verse 9. Now, remember what Jesus said. He was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he said these words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Oh, and the second one is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. So if we know that, then we understand that the way in which we go about pleasing God is not just how well we follow him personally, but how well we also love and serve other people. That's the command. We have to love our neighbor as ourself. Now, let's read on. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commands, what was the greatest command? Love God, love others. You will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. Now, listen to these words because this is what I want you to catch this morning above all else. I have told you this so that my joy, Jesus is saying this, my joy may be in you that your joy may be complete or full. Other trans- I'm so glad you said that, Dean, because other translations say full. Now, I'm going to give you a really quick endorsement on why it's so valuable to have your kids in kids' ministry at Bridge Kids, okay? I grew up in church in, in, a, in a kids' program where they taught me all kinds of songs that to this day I still remember. We wouldn't sing them today because church has changed a lot, Okay. But there was this one song that we sang all the time when I was a kid that has made me remember this verse in the song. I'm not going to sing it, but it goes like this. This is my commandment, that you love one another, that your joy may be full. Now, there's a paradox that happens in this verse. Because we look at this and we think, hold on. If I, love one, uh, one, if I love others, if I give of myself, if I lay my life down, if I serve others, my joy is going to be full, not theirs. But Jesus says, if you remain in my love, if you keep my commandments, then my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. That goes against the way our natural mind thinks. You know why? Because there are a lot of joyless Christians in the world today who are trying to find fulfillment by pursuing all kinds of other stuff besides serving other people. And what we do is we go out into our daily lives and we position ourselves in a position to receive. And we do it through possessions, through money, 
through gratification, through certain relationships. There are all kinds of things that we pursue in life and we put ourselves on the receiving end thinking that that is gonna take our joy tank and put it on full. And all that ends up happening is we find our joy tank is on empty and we come back to the house of God and say, God, what's going on? Jesus says, if you remain in my love, if you keep my command, what was the greatest command? Love God, love others. Then my joy will be in you. We'll have the joy of Jesus and our joy won't just be a quarter of a tank full or half a tank full. You won't be having to go back and pump it back up over and over again. Your joy will be full. The command is to love one another. Now, I want to read on because we've got to hurry, all right? And I remember hearing that song when I was a kid, and it totally completes the rest of the chapter. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Guess what? God has told us what his business is. Go into all the world. Make disciples. Find your place in the body of Christ so that we edify one another and the body moves, lives, breathes, walks, talks in this earth and brings other people into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. Finally, this is my command. What is it? Love each other. Can I tell you one of the greatest ways to love other people is to lay your life down in service to them. Not thinking of yourself, considering their best, considering God's best for them. And it's so beautiful because the Apostle Paul echoes this thought. Look at this. Philippians chapter 2. We'll read this part quickly. Philippians 2 and verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, Fulfill my joy. Jesus said my joy would be in you, but the Apostle Paul lived to see these early church members serving other people. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. In other words, don't always put yourself in this posture of receiving if you want to receive joy. If you want to receive joy, give your life away that your joy may be full. In verse 4, let each of you look out not only for their own interests, but also for the interests of others. God has called all of us to find our place in the body of Christ and not just position ourselves to always receive, receive, receive. God, what can you give me? Other people, what can you give me? No. He says, you want your joy to be full? Give your life away. Love others, serve others. And here's the thing, serving others and loving others is not something that we do until we go crazy. It's something that we do out of the gift that God has given us. Amen. We use our gifts to edify the body and then the body functions at a higher capacity. Now, go to Romans chapter 12 with me, okay? This is the last section right here, Romans 12. The Apostle Paul writes these words in Romans 12 starting in verse three. For I say... Through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of themselves more highly than they ought to, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, watch this, because Paul talks again about the body of Christ. Look at verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, many members, but 
one body, but all the members do not have the same function. We don't all have the same function. Verse 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, this is the part of this passage that you have to get. So we being many, there's a lot of us. We're one body and we all have different functions. But then he makes this personal to help us understand our own value. And individually, we are members of one another. I think the Apostle Paul wrote it like this specifically because when he talked about the body of Christ, he knew he could foresee one day this thing will continue to grow and grow. And see, a lot of us, we look at the church, the body of Christ that exists throughout planet Earth and the world today, and we think, well, I'm just one small member and this body is just so big and huge. And it kind of seems as though I'm playing a really, really small part. And so in order for Paul to help us to understand this, he doesn't just say that you're one small member of this really big body. He says, no, you are members of one another. You know what that means? It means that my function is incomplete if you're not in your place, and your function is incomplete if I'm not in my place. And if I'm not in my place and you're not in your place, guess what? We're kind of letting the team down. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but really what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that if you're in Christ, you are a part of the body of Christ. You have a part to play. You're members of one another. And guess what? You're essentially playing on the same team. You're all on the same team. I love the way the Apostle Paul says this. Now, I'm going to illustrate this to the best of my ability. How many people love football? How many people cannot stand football? All right, that's cool. Stay with me, all right? Because if, even if you don't like football, you're going to understand this. You're going to get this. You know, in football, this happens every single Sunday. There will be a team who is down by six points with two minutes to go. They will get the ball. They will have no timeouts, and they have to go from their own 20-yard line all the way down the field, score a touchdown to tie the game, and hopefully get a shot at the extra point to win the game, okay? And what happens is they walk out there, and you see the team line up, 20-yard line. The clock's about to start ticking at the snap of the ball. They don't have any more timeouts, so they have to be, you know, really in a hurry and do this well. And so they get the ball, and the quarterback lines up under center, and he receives the snap, and he drops back to pass. Five-step drop. He sees a man downfield. He has a man 15 yards downfield. He catches the ball. He's out of bounds. Clock stops, and the fans go, all right, all right, all right. We're on the move. We're doing good. We're on the move, except there was a flag on the play. The flag came from the offensive backfield. What does that mean? Holding. Number 79, one of the offensive linemen. He wasn't doing his job. In fact, he's been overmatched all game. It's like he didn't practice this week. He didn't show up this week. And we see this all the time. Okay, so since it was holding, what does that mean? It means that we just lost all the time that we used on that play, which meant nothing. And now it's not just first and 10 from our own 20. It's first and 20 from our own 10. We're going backwards here, folks. And so next play, all right, let's see if we can get one downfield here and make up that yardage, all right? So the quarterback lines up under center, and he's assessing the defense, and he's looking downfield, and he knows we've got to make up a few extra yards. And so he sees the formation that he wants when he's read the defense. He receives a step, and he starts to go back to pass, except the whistles blow and the flags fly because false start, number 79 again. That's his third false start of the game. The last play was his fourth holding penalty of the game, and he hasn't been doing his part to carry his load. And suddenly, we go from first and 10 to first and 20. Now it's first and 25 from our own five. We're not just trying to get a first down here. We're running out of time. We've got to go all the way down the field and score a touchdown. Now, I'm telling you all this for one specific reason. 
Because a lot of us in the church world, we Christians, we look at the world around us and we're like, well, this world is going to hell in a handbag. Well, guess what it is? Because it's a sinful, fallen world. And a lot of people don't know that. That's why they're following what seems to be convenient and feel good. They're walking down the path of least resistance. And we in the church look at it and say, well, this world's just going to hell. And what we feel like as the church of Jesus Christ is we feel like we are always behind the chains under two minutes with no timeouts trying to get the ball downfield to score a touchdown and beat the opposition. And we feel like everything is always stacked up against us. Now, here's the thing. Jesus has already won the victory. But yet we find ourselves in that position all the time. And I think one of the biggest reasons that the church always seems to feel that way, especially in the United States of America today, is because a lot of, we got a lot of number 79s on our team. They're not contributing a whole lot to what the team is doing. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to put any guilt on you. Can I tell you something? The worst reason to serve in the house of God is guilt. The best reason to serve is so that our joy will be full. Because God has given you gifts and talents and abilities, and when we use them for his kingdom and his glory in his body, it edifies the body, and we find fulfillment in taking the message forward. Does that make sense to everybody? And here's the thing. When I told you earlier that, it's, that ministry is not limited to pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists, here's the deal. You can have Tom Brady on your team, but if you got linemen that don't block, it don't matter. Because I've heard some of the most amazing preachers in the world who are leading churches that aren't doing a whole lot. Why? Because they're the only one that's doing anything and they got church full of people that are just sitting there, saints in seats, doing nothing. Man, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> and because the heart is, this is, let me show you my gift. Let me show you how good of a preacher I am. Let me show you how good I am at doing this thing. I'm not here to equip you for ministry. The ministry, this is about me. This is my platform. This is my microphone. Guess what? The kingdom of God ain't about platforms and microphones. It's about us all as saints doing our part. Can I tell you something? There ain't no glory in being a pastor when you get a call because somebody died 10 o'clock at night. You might stand on a platform and enjoy that moment for a little while, but let me tell you something, that the call of that goes way beyond because moms, you know what this is like when the kids are crying in the middle of the night. You don't feel like posting how good life is on Instagram with your kids. But serving is what you do for your child because you love them. And to see your child grow up, grow up, grow up in the fullness of what God had for them brings fulfillment. Your joy tank is full even if you're tired and your emotions are drained. You do it from a place of joy because you see what it's doing for them and for the world they've been born into. And God wants us to live our lives and serve others and love others from a place of joy. I'll never forget, I heard a really, really famous, really famous celebrity Christian a few years ago that gave an interview to a magazine and they talked about how you know, they were a, a Christian, a follower of Christ. I believe Jesus died for me, that he lived a sinless life, that he took my sins at the cross, that he was raised from the dead. I believe all of that stuff. And they went on to talk about how, yeah, but you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't really have a home church. I don't go to church because you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Now, think about that for just a minute. I know we're going to have a lot of divided views on that phrase and on that statement, and that's fine. Because if I were to ask, don't answer this out loud, okay, but if I ask the question, do you have to go to church to be a Christian? Some of you would say yes. Some of you would say no. But I would say if we define our Christianity based upon how much we go to church, we've missed the point. Because church isn't where we go, church is who we are. 
And when the Apostle Paul uses two different passages of Scripture to tell us that we as Christians are the body of Christ, what that means is that when I say I can be a Christian but not go to church, I identify with Christ, but God knows I'm not going to do anything to take his message forward. And suddenly, we got a lot of number 79s on our team again. And the ball's not moving downfield. And it feels like we're always chasing the sticks and we're always behind. It's third and long and we're running out of time. We have no timeouts. And I want to tell you something today. Your Christianity will not be defined by how often you do or don't go to church. Your Christianity will be defined by how well you are the church in your daily life. But that includes two things. It includes serving the body of Christ and serving those who are not yet a part of it. And when we take our place in the body, the body functions at its higher capacity. It's edified. I add value to you and you add value to me. And therefore, the body moves, lives, breathes, walks, talks, and functions in the earth today. It's not all your responsibility to save the world. It's just your responsibility to take your place in the body so that the body can go and do. We heard, we were at a conference earlier this week in Dallas, uh, Pastor Nick and Pastor Aaron and myself, and one of the best messages I've ever heard to pastors, this, uh, one of the pastors was talking about how, you know, Jesus said uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. He said the harvest belongs to the Lord. It's the Lord's harvest. Amen. Acts 2 says that God added to the church daily. Can I tell you something? We're not going to be the ones to build the church. God is. We're not going to be the ones who own the harvest. God owns the harvest. He brings them in, but we have to be willing to do our part within the body. Very last story in closing this morning. Every Thursday, we meet right down here as a staff, and we pray, right? We pray, we walk across this auditorium for 30 minutes. We pray for Sundays. We pray for the weekend. We pray for the people that will come, that God will draw who he wants to be here on Sunday, that people will be in the house, that people who are serving will serve with open hearts effectively, that the message will go forth and be received, that the worship will be pleasing to God. We pray for all that stuff. We pray for the people who are serving, the people who are going to come, all of it. And one day, we were praying down here, and Pastor Jeremy, our kid's pastor, he said something that... I've probably heard before, but it just hit me in a new way. He said, God, I pray that you would use all of us who are serving this morning or on Sunday from the parking lot to the platform. For a lot of us as Christians, we think of ministry as platform. But when he said that, it hit me in a new way. If you've ever been to Connecting Point, you've heard us say this, but I want to just reiterate it. What happens in the parking lot, the people that serve you in the parking lot, the people that greet you at the front door, the people that help you find a seat, the people at the info center, at the coffee bar, and kids, and youth, wherever, in community care, wherever it might be, the people that serve in those areas, what they do is just as much ministry as what happens on the platform. Because there are a lot of people who will never hear the message on the platform if they aren't first served in the parking lot. And at that very moment, it hit me that the parking lot is a platform. And if the parking lot is not a platform for ministry, then the platform will be a parking lot because people will come in and they'll go to sleep and they'll turn out, they'll turn off and they'll tune out and just say, whatever, entertain me. (laughs) Some people will walk in and if somebody didn't greet them with a smile, with a handshake, with a hug, with a high, with a high five, whatever it might be, if somebody isn't served and ministered to at the time in which they walk in, the platform is absolutely meaningless. Those of us who've grown up in church, we glorify platforms, but we oftentimes overlook parking lots. Every area of our life is an opportunity and a platform to serve somebody else. You know, this morning at second service, we have Connecting Point. You might still want to go to Connecting Point. Even if you didn't sign up, you're still welcome to come. But I want to say something to every single person that's here. We could do a big plea and say, man, we really would love to have you on the team. we got lots of people that serve, but there's always room for more. 
for some people, we spend so much time chasing, putting ourselves on the receiving end of finding joy in some area of life that we overlook the fact that one of the places where we can receive joy, our joy will be full, is in loving and serving other people. And you have a gift that God has given you that he did not give to other people. And as long as the church of Jesus Christ is alive, there will always be room for your gift because God designed a place for you to use it. And if you want to find ultimate fulfillment in the body of Christ, not just saying I'm a Christian, not just praying and having my own time with God, but serving others and see that message go forward so that the body is edified and that we are all growing and maturing and growing up in Christ to be the church he's called us to be, we got to find our place. we got to find our place because ministry isn't limited to platforms. It's not just pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists. It's not just the saints. It's all of us. We can all serve, so therefore... We can all minister. And I want to encourage everybody, find your place. Find your place. Because other people won't just be ministered to alone. You will find fulfillment in using the gift that God has given you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads this morning? God, I thank you again for every person that's here today. I thank you, Father, for your message that you have given us today. I thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for us. God, God, as believers, we choose to remain in you to keep your commandments so that your joy will be in us and our joy will be full. God, I pray that you would open the eyes of people who are here today that we would know and understand that you're not just calling us to serve mindlessly, to give of our time and our energy so that we'll be spent. You're calling us to serve, to find fulfillment, and to edify the body. If there are people here today that have not yet found their place in using the gifts that you have given them, I pray that you would open their eyes and let them see that there is a place for them to serve in the body of Christ so that we as a body together can take that message forward. We thank you, Jesus, for the gifts that you've given. There are people in this place that haven't even discovered all the gifts that you've given them. I pray that you would bring them to life, God, that you would show them the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you have given them uniquely and that we would be willing to use what you have given us. What good is it to have gifts and talents and abilities if we aren't using them for your kingdom's glory? Give us revelation so that we would be willing to serve in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, very quickly, if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to tell you that ultimate fulfillment in life starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that we are sinful people, sinful humanity. Sin is what has separated us from God. You might be here today and feel like you are unworthy of a relationship with God because of where you've been and what you've done and the things that are behind you. But can I tell you this morning that Jesus went to the cross so that which is behind you in your past will not define your future. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus, the sinless son of God, to die in your place and take the punishment that you and I deserve so that we could find freedom. All he asks is that we would believe it with our heart, confess it with our mouth, make a faith declaration that we believe in Jesus and then choose to follow him all the days of our life. Be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. The greatest life that God has for you starts with the decision to follow Jesus and then a path of walking in relationship with him forever and ever into eternity. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to tell you it's the best decision you could make in this life because it will set you up for the life that is to come. Have your sins forgiven. Have your past be wiped clean. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus today, we're going to pray a prayer right now, all of us all together with heads bowed, eyes closed, not putting you on the spot, but giving you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I want to ask everybody if you would repeat these words after me, and if you are making a decision to follow him, mean it with everything inside of you. Say, Jesus, today 
I thank you that you died for me, that you went to the cross for my sins. And I thank you that you were raised from the dead, conquering death for me. Today, I choose your life. I choose your forgiveness. I choose your salvation. I want to know you. I want to walk with you all of my days from here on out. I surrender my life to you. Lead me and guide me in this life and into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Very quickly this morning, this is very, very important. Please hang tight till the end of service, okay? If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to help you because this is not the end of the journey. It's the beginning of the life that God has for you. We have a simple book, a gift that we want to give you to help you start this journey. It's called The Next Seven Days. This is not about us. It's all about you. It's free. We just want to give it to you. There's two different ways you can get it. To get The Next Seven Days, this book, we'll have some prayer teams right down here standing in front of the platform right after service. These are regular people who just want to help you out. If you need prayer, someone to stand with you and agree with you and encourage you, they're here for that as well. But come, let them know you made a decision and you want to get that book. They'll give it to you. We don't need anything from you but we're, we're here to help in any way that we can. You can also stop by the next seven days desk between the glass doors before you go. Let them know you made a decision in your heart. You prayed that prayer and you want to get the book. They'll give it to you and we're here to help in any way that we can. We're so, so glad you made that decision. Thank you so much for doing that best decision you could ever make. Can we just welcome some people into the family of God this morning? Awesome. Right now we're going to bring our tithes and our offerings into God's house. We're going to honor God with our giving. This is another opportunity for us to take our place in the body of Christ, to do our part, to see to it that that message goes forward, that the body is functioning at its highest capacity. There's some different ways that you can give up on the screen. Whatever's most convenient for you, you can choose that. If you're a guest with us today, please know there's never any pressure or compulsion to give. This is a free will offering, something that we do to honor God. The scripture's clear. We bring our tithes, our first fruits into God's house to honor him. We bring our, our offerings, our seed that we put in the ground for our future, honoring God knowing that we're planting into good ground. And I just want to say thank you so, so much for your faithfulness in giving. Thank you for taking your place. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for giving and honoring God because together as a church, we are doing more because of people's faithfulness. Why do we choose to be faithful in our giving? Because God has always been faithful to us. Amen. So this morning, let's give that way. Let's give confidently knowing that our God is always good. And as we give, our ushers are coming right now to receive our tithes and our offerings. Let's check out church news and see what's coming up here at the bridge. everyone and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Nancy and I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you enjoy your morning in church and that you and your family have a wonderful time. We are excited for everything this new season has in store for our church. We hope you find your place and be a part of what's happening this fall at The Bridge. Here's a look at what's coming up. Hey girls, last Monday night we launched our brand new season of Bridge Women and it was incredible. This week is our first Tuesday morning gathering and we would love for you to join us. Whether you've been a part of Bridge Women for a while now or you've never been before, we want you to know that there's a place for you. We've started a new series called Wisdom Works and we can't wait to get into God's word and together grow in wisdom for our everyday lives. The morning starts at 9.30. As always, free childcare is provided for infant through preschool age children and Spanish translation will be available. So come out this Tuesday morning. We can't wait to see you there. 
We are so grateful for everyone who serves at The Bridge and gives their time and talents to make a difference in the lives of others. To show our appreciation, we have planned a very special volunteer appreciation night. We are taking over Mulligan's Family Fun Center on Tuesday, October 22nd from 6 to 9 p.m. The night will include unlimited go-karts, laser tag, mini golf, rock wall, batting cages, kids rides, and arcade games. This night is specifically for those who volunteer in the church and their immediate families. If that's you, be sure to check your email for a special invitation with a link to register. You can also register on our website or on the Bridge app. We want to say thanks for all that you do to help people connect with God and connect with each other. Guys, we're just two days away from the October edition of Bridge Men. This Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. If you've never been to Bridge Men, we want to invite you to join us as we talk about what it means to be the men that God created us to be. It doesn't matter if you're married or single, have kids or don't have kids. Bridgeman is a fun and casual place where you can come and be encouraged in a community of other guys. I will be speaking about the value of community and how we are better together. So be here this Tuesday at 6.30 for a fun night at Bridgeman. If you're new to the bridge, we want to personally invite you to stop by the Info Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come by and say hi. Our team would love to meet you and help you get connected in the church. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For general info and to stay up to date, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also download the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. Thanks again for spending your morning with us. We love spending Sundays with you. Hey, thanks again for being here this morning. Don't forget, this Tuesday is the Tuesday morning launch of Bridge Women at 9.30. All ladies are welcome to be here. It's going to be awesome. Bridge Men, Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. It's going to be a great day. Hey, thank you guys so much again for being here today. Have an awesome Sunday, a great week. We love you, and we'll see you next week.